a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Utah Weekly Four. My name is Bo Walker, filling in for Rebecca Cressman. And um, our guest this week, USO, West Region President, Bob Kirkjian. How are you doing, Bob? Good to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me, Bo. It's my pleasure to join you. Now, the USO, I don't mind telling you, I'm sure people have thoughts in their heads of Bob Hope with his golf club, standing on a stage, entertaining the troops. Let's start from the beginning, as they say. Give us the history of the USO, you know, their background, their mission. What, what, what is the USO, if people don't know? Yeah, well, well sure, Bo. And, and certainly, Bob Hope is an iconic uh, and historic figure in the history of the USO that goes back over 80 years to our founding in February of 1941, as the clouds of war formed in the Pacific. Uh, President Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt at the time, uh, saw a need for an organization to support really the morale, welfare, and recreation of our troops, uh, both at home and abroad. And uh, he brought together uh, what was the beginning of the USO. And here we are uh, heading towards 81 years later. And the USO is currently in 17 countries in 250 locations. Uh, We deliver programs and services on every continent uh, on Earth uh, with uh, close to 30,000 volunteers and a staff of about 900 people. So it's a pretty incredible organization. And one of my favorite parts about this job is whenever I meet a member of the military or a veteran, I love asking, uh, what's your favorite USO memory? And more often than not, uh, they've got one. What do they usually say? Well, it all depends on what era they're from, Bo. Okay. Uh, If I talk to, if I'm fortunate enough to talk to one from World War II or Korea, uh, what what they say is, I remember the USO dances. Mm. You know, I remember... Uh, I remember going into a USO and being part of a, a USO dance, or I remember Bob Hope. You get that a lot from the veterans of uh, the Vietnam era as well. Uh, but more in Vietnam was I remember being in a USO center and being able to call home or being able to write a letter home. It was that connectivity back to family and back to friends uh, that was so important. And then as you get, as you get closer to the, the, the modern day, to the first Gulf War and, uh, and the, the recently closed out uh, conflicts in, in that same region, uh, what you hear about is uh, the entertainment, the connectivity, and, and more and more Internet. Internet was so important in Afghanistan and Iraq and being able to go in and get on a video chat. Now, all of a sudden, it wasn't writing a letter that took six or eight weeks to get across the Atlantic Ocean or get through the South Pacific back home. It was being able to hit the button and FaceTime or somehow video chat with a loved one back home. So now it was instantaneous. It wasn't an eight-week process 
to get a letter back home. Hey, once again, it's that communication piece that was so incredibly important, whether it was being able to use the phone to call home or now, of course, using technology that we have today, be able to talk to their family members via Skype or FaceTime, something of that sort. So, Bob, you're the regional president. How does are you a vet yourself? I am actually, Bo. I'm a uh, currently serving reservist. I'm a Navy reservist, mm. and uh, and most recently spent most of 2019 uh, serving in Afghanistan. So I like to say I'm, I'm both a customer and an employee of the USO. And and that time in Afghanistan really sent home the power of the USO because I would walk into uh, our Pat Tillman Center at Bagram Airfield, and uh, it was like walking into another world uh, because that was a that was a location that was frequently attacked uh, with uh, with rockets and mortars. And you walked into the USO, and, and you could just kind of feel the weight of the world uh, come off your shoulders. You'd sink into one of the overstuffed chairs there in a, a facility that was built to look a little bit like a Swiss ski chalet. Huh? So, you know, you think, hey, you're in the middle of Afghanistan. You walk into this facility that was built to look like a ski chalet. So you mentally, you're, you're totally taken out of the elements around you. And there's a, a happy volunteer or staff member there who, who wants to offer you a cookie or, uh, or, you know, play a game of checkers with you. Um, and you, you sink into one of those chairs. And I would go there once a week and go to the uh, index file they had of, of blank cards, of blank reading cards, and then pull out some random cards and write a card to each of my kids uh-huh. once a week, and then go next door to the post office and drop it in the mail uh, so my kids had a, a card to them once a week. And that, that was my detox. Uh, and it, uh, it, it's tough to describe how important that was unless you were there. Truly a respite from what they've been doing all week long to be able to walk in there and, like you said, big cushy chair and be able to have something to eat and kind of let the worries go away. Your regional vice or regional president, what other uh, areas do you serve? So the the West region encompasses, obviously, Utah, but eight other states. So it's all the West Coast, Alaska, all the way through California, uh, Arizona, Nevada, Montana, and Idaho, and we're talking today particularly, and I'm, I'm excited to be talking to you and, and your listeners because uh, we are really excited that in just a few short weeks, uh, the latest and greatest USO center is going to open up at Salt Lake City International Airport. Well, so it's not open yet, correct? It, it is It is not open yet. We are almost there. We've got an enthusiastic group of inaugural volunteers, about 80 of them, uh, that have uh, come out of the community to say, we want to support our troops and be there and be that person, handing them the cookie and be that person with a smile on their face when they go through the airport. Um, but uh, we are getting ready uh, in, uh, in concert with the city council, in concert with Bill Wyatt, the director of the airports there at Salt Lake City and the airport team. Uh, we are getting ready to soft open that facility, hopefully right before Thanksgiving, and catch the, the rush of holiday military travelers. That would be fantastic. That's a perfect time for it. Bob, that was not always the case, though. I'm looking at a, an article here dated January 11th, 2020, from our, uh, our, our TV partner, KSL, <laughs> with Alex Cabrera. And it says, here's the headline, No plans for USO Lounge at New Salt Lake City International Airport. And one of the reasons uh, that it says, it says, if we can't gather enough community support to show the USO we want them here, they might reconsider. Apparently, someone reconsidered. How did that happen? Well, I was in this role approximately 11 days when that article came out, and uh, I, I did a double take <laughs> when I saw it, and, uh, and said, well, certainly that cannot be. 
um, because I, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I was at the time I was a little familiar with the, the community in Utah and and the patriotism and support that I I, I knew existed in the state and uh, asked myself how could that be and, and I started a conversation at that time uh, with Councilman Rogers uh, and uh, and started a conversation with the airport and uh, we, we we had the beginnings of a, a plan for a USO. And then COVID hit, and everyone had you know higher priorities and, and other things going on, and everything got put on the back burner. Uh, and as we worked our way uh, through the, the fog of COVID and came out on the other side, we restarted the conversation. And again, thanks to the leadership of, of Bill Wyatt at the airport and, and the city council and, and our great corporate partners like Northrop Grumman, like Adobe, uh, like the governor's office of the Military and Veterans Affairs, uh, we uh, we were able to reignite this conversation, and and Salt Lake City International was the largest airport in the country without a USO. Really, uh, and so it just made sense. Uh, absolutely, uh, of, of the thirty largest airports uh, in the country, depending on depending on what list you look at, uh, Salt Lake City uh, comes in at around nineteen based on passenger volume, and uh, and it was by far the largest without a USO. So it, it just made sense that that was where we needed to have a USO. It does make sense. And I know that UPS just built a new facility out there. And I think one of the reasons is because we improved our airport as well. And you got to think about it. You know, everything that pretty much heads to the West Coast passes through and hubs in some way, shape or form through this Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake Airport. I, you know, I've flown in and out of there. I've flown in and out of the new one recently as well. It's a massive facility, and I'm so glad to hear that we are going to be getting a USO. How many um, active duty and reserve members do we actually have here in Utah? So Utah uh, boasts about 32,000 reserve and active duty military members. But remember, that's not all the USO serves. We, We also, by our congressional charter, calls upon us to serve current members of the military. So that, as you mentioned, those are active duty and uh, reserve members of the military, including the National Guard, and their family members, their dependent family members. So that's, that's spouses. Those are children. Uh, so that's an even larger population that we are there to serve. And, uh, and Bo, I, I will repeatedly say, and, and everyone who's ever heard me speak uh, before a group will, will know that uh, the, the, I, I tell people the real heroes in the military are not the people who wear uniforms and carry weapons. They are the people who carry lunchboxes. Wow. And, and, and drive the soccer, you know, the, the, you know, the AYSO soccer carpools. They are the spouses and the kids uh, who are the true heroes, and, and we are there to serve them as well. They're doing the work back home, that's for sure. Now, I'm familiar with Hill Air Force Base. Uh, how many other bases or what other installations do we have here in Utah, and where are they? Well, we, we actually have a, a small um, foothold as a USO at the MEPS Center in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Every state has at least one military entrance processing station, uh, and that's where members of the military, regardless of what uh, service you are entering, uh, where members of the military start their time in the military. Uh, so it's where you go through your administrative processing, your medical exams, uh, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we try to be there from the very first day uh, folks enter the military uh, all the way through their transition out as part of our uh, Pathfinder transitions programs. When Whether you spend four years in the military or four years in the military, uh, we're there for you at, at, the, at the end of your service to our country as well.
they try to find a job in, in the civilian world and make that transition. Uh, there's also Dugway Proving Ground. Um, we have several uh, military reserve centers that are based throughout the state, mm-hmm. um, as well as National Guard armories. Uh, so there, there's a host of places, but certainly Hill Air Force Base, if you're looking for the, the largest active duty concentration, it's Hill. Hill, very good. Uh, I love that it says here that what you guys do provide critical support that improves the daily lives of service members and their families. How exactly does the USO do that? Give me an example. What does that look like? Yeah, and, and we tailor it to where we are and, and what's going on with that particular unit. So let me give you some great examples, Bo. Uh, if you're a single service member, let's say, you're, a, you're an 18-year-old a newly minted airman at Hill Air Force Base, let's say, and, and your family's far away. You're at Hill Air Force Base, but you grew up in Alaska, or, or you're from Mississippi, and you, know, you just moved there. You just got out of basic training. You don't know anyone. You don't have a car. You don't have a whole lot of money to spend. Uh, the USO has single airman uh, program support for you. It might be a movie night. It might be a pizza night. It might be, hey, we're going to work with some of our partners and get you a, a free tickets to go see the Utah Jazz. Mm. Or we're going to make sure that you have something to do on a Friday night instead of just sitting in your dorm room uh, playing a video game. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to do our best to get you out and, uh, and, and give you that feel of family and home that you might be missing from so far away. Now, let's say you might be a spouse with, with two children, and, and dad or mom, for that matter, is deployed in Qatar at Al-Udid Air Base. And, man, that's tough. It is tough to have mom or dad far away when you're a military family. Mm-hmm. And so the USO, uh, whether it's through our mobile programs, whether it's through it's a local center, uh, whether it's through a virtual uh, program delivery, uh, can uh, arrive, again, virtually or in person and provide engagement programming that's focused on military children, uh, preschool or military children in elementary school. Or we have a program called Team Talk, where we get military teams together and let them share their experiences. And uh, it, it is an entirely different uh, existence as a military child than it is as a student or a military or, or as a, a non-military child. Because no one else really understands what it's like to have mom or dad gone and in harm's way for three or six or nine months at a time. So this is um, truly individualized. It really is because, you know, not, not every base is the same. Not every mm-hmm. unit is the same. Um, and, and, and we want to make sure that the programs we deliver uh, meet the needs of, of that base. And not every base has the same, has the same makeup mm-hmm. of uh, a personnel um, or needs. Some bases have larger junior enlisted populations. Some don't. Uh, some have more transient personnel because of the training nature of the base. Some don't. Um, and, and at our airport centers, obviously, it's all transient personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, the, the programs there are to, to make sure there's a little bit of a home away from home and uh, an opportunity to get out of the hustle and bustle of an airport. And everything we do is, is at no cost to our service members and their families. We are not a fee-for-service provider. Everything that we do it is underwritten by our generous donors and, and benefactors. And, you know, we, we are not a government program. We are not a government agency. We are a 501c3. And, and what we do is, is based on 
the money we were able to raise from our wonderful donors and supporters. So let's talk about the airport um, installations, the locations there. What exactly does that look like? Is it kind of like, you know, a, a Delta lounge for the executives or something? You know, is that kind of the same idea? So it's, it's great that you mentioned Delta, Bo, because Delta is also one of our largest sponsors. And as you probably know, they're 80 percent of the air traffic mm-hmm. at Salt Lake City International Airport. Big hub. So we're thrilled to be someplace where, where one of our largest cor- corporate sponsors is also um, so, yes, uh, a USO Airport Lounge is, is a smaller version, in many cases, of a, uh, of a Delta-type of Sky Club. Okay. Um, there is a, we call it a canteen. Um, there is a, a lounge area. There's TV. There's free Wi-Fi. Um, in most lounges, uh, there's a children's area. Uh, if you're a military family, uh, traveling with your kids, uh, there are comfortable chairs. There's a rest and relaxation area. It all depends on how much space we have and how big the airport is. But really, it, it is intended to be a, an airline club for members of the military and their dependent family members um, who are traveling. Uh, the only difference is that uh, we don't serve any alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, uh, the other big difference is that uh, there's no membership fee. The membership fee is donning the cloth of our nation and serving our country. Very nice. And it's... Uh... Thinking about that as as kind of a lounge type thing, uh, I love the fact that again they get to be special because that's what I always see when I pass that you know Delta Sky Miles you know uh, lounge. I think how come I can't get in there? And here's these guys that have served their nations, and again whether they're uh, coming home or whether or not they're moving on to some other place. Uh, they get to go in there for that little respite. I know uh, that the rent at the airport, I've talked to several commercial businesses that have, uh, you know, stores in the new airport. It's got to be extensive. What do you guys pay for rent uh, for that space? Well, and, and so that's why I, I made sure to thank Bill Wyatt, the airport director and the uh, the Salt Lake City uh, City Council, uh, because we get what I call the USO deal at our, all our airport locations around the nation, and we're in about 40 airports, uh, and we pay a dollar a year uh, in in rent. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and 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 we and we certainly know that space is much more valuable. But what you know, what airports around the country and what city councils and and counties around the country uh, say essentially, we we recognize that our military and our, our troops and their families are important too, mm-hmm. and and we're going to. We're going to say we're okay without that revenue in recognition of our military. Wow. And thinking about this new USO Airport Lounge, that's going to be a major thing here. But what's the history of the USO in Utah itself? Obviously, you had to have been here way before this airport lounge is going to open. So, Bo, it's it's a great question as best as I can tell. And and, uh, we've gone back in in the history books on this. Uh, there has not been a USO in Utah. Amazingly enough, there has not been a USO operation in Utah for at least 50 years. Um, How is and, that? And I would say that if one of your listeners has has, has any information uh, to the contrary, I would love to know. Um, if we have that wrong, I definitely want to know. Um, but uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I don't think we've had a facility there uh, since the 60s. At least, and it may be even longer. My goodness! Wow, I wouldn't have thought that either. That that is kind of shocking. Um, so, at one point, the USO uh, after the Korean War, 
the USO uh, for financial purposes essentially said, hey, to, to all of the local USOs, you, you all need to raise your own money and be self-supportive. Okay. Uh, we, we're, we don't have the money to fund all of you. And at that point, uh, many local USOs over time folded. They, they, they were not able to be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And, and so you saw a real ebb of, of USO activity throughout the country. In some locations, they were able to thrive because they had communities and, and leadership that were able to continue to raise money and, and, uh, and support them. But in other locations, they, they faded away, sadly. Um, and at this point in the organization's history, we've, we've recombined the organization. And now we're back to being what we call one USO, uh, where we, we are all one organization again and, and committed to making sure that wherever our troops are, we are there too. So once the USO Center at uh, Salt Lake City opens, what are the USO's plans in Salt Lake and the state of Utah? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm glad you asked because we've got uh, we've got some pretty expansive plans uh, for Utah, and we've got some great donors who have uh, indicated they're willing to support us and some wonderful volunteers. And, and obviously, uh, we welcome both additional support from donors and additional support from volunteers because volunteers are the heart and soul of the organization, and our, our generous donors are what helps us make it happen, help, helps us make the USO magic happen, as I like to say. Um, but obviously, we, we want to... Uh, create a world-class USO experience at Salt Lake City International because that's what our troops deserve, and that's what that beautiful new airport deserves mm-hmm. as well. And we want to make sure we expand our services uh, and create a USO experience for all our service members at Hill as well as in the state of Utah. I mean, one, one of my goals for the region, uh, for all those nine states, is to make sure that every member of the military in all nine states has at least one opportunity a year to engage with the USO. Uh, now, I, you know, whether they take it or not, I, I can't control that. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to make sure that everyone has at least one opportunity that on their base or in their community or, or somehow uh, in their travels, they have at least one opportunity to engage with the USO once a year. Because the thing that that pains me the most is when I meet a member of the military, and it's becoming less and less frequent because we, we are doing a better and better job of getting out to our military. But when I meet a member of the military, he tells me, yeah, you know, I, I've never, you know, I've never been someplace where there's a USO. Wow. Or I've never, you know, I've, I've, never, uh, I've never experienced the USO before. And, and I, I want to create a, a USO where that is never a, a storyline that I hear from a member of the military. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job. Again, we're talking to USO West Region President uh, Bob Kirkchen. So you mentioned it before, volunteers and the donors are certainly the heart and soul of this organization. How do we, how do we help? If somebody wants to volunteer or make a donation, what do we do? Now is the time. Let, let's strike while iron's hot, though, at, at utah.uso.org. You can donate. Uh, you can volunteer. Uh, we are still looking for sponsors for the new center at Salt Lake City International. We will not grand open it until probably uh, mid-February once we work out all the kinks. Uh, so there's still time for uh, corporate donors and individuals to get their name on the wall. They will be recognized in the grand opening uh, with the governor's office, with the mayor's office, and all of our other sponsors. Uh, so please reach out to us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, as a volunteer, as a donor, there is nothing more satisfying been getting involved with the USO, seeing the smiles on the faces of our troops, and knowing that you have made a difference.
it sounds like this is a perfect opportunity to be able to attach yourself to this installation at this particular time. Uh, so again, you're trying to get it open and functional by Thanksgiving, but the grand opening we're looking at February 2022. That's the plan. I love it. All right. Volunteering. So do you have to be a, a member of the military's family to volunteer or can anyone volunteer? Anyone can volunteer as long as you're 18 years or older okay. and, and you are willing to give us at least eight hours a month. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, we have volunteers from all walks of life. You do not have to be a veteran or a member of the military uh, we do not care what your background is as long as you are interested in putting a smile on your face and welcoming troops uh, to our USO Center or helping us with program delivery out in the field or at Hill Air Force Base. Uh, we are happy to have you, and uh, many of our volunteers have been with us for years, if not going on multiple decades, and they will tell you it's one of the best things they do each week. Bob, I know you've got to be excited about this, and I hope that uh, Salt Lake City and the state of Utah is excited as well. Thanks for being with us again. It's utah.uso.org if you want to volunteer or donate. USO's West Region President Bob Kirkjens, thank you so much for spending the time with us on Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you, Bo. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.